All right. Good morning. You know, science seems to be in left field when it comes to uh, baseball. Uh, Ross mentioned a study, and some of you may have seen a USA Today article in which Yale physicist Robert Adair studied the science behind a big league fastball. Adair says that a 90-mile-an-hour projectile travels 60 and a half feet in 400 milliseconds. Half of the flight time, 200 milliseconds, is spent by the batter trying to find the ball in the air to get the image in his brain and to decide whether to swing. If the batter decides to swing, the brain spends another 100 milliseconds deciding whether to swing the nearly two-pound bat at 80 miles an hour, high, low, inside or outside the strike zone. The swing itself takes 150 milliseconds, but during the first 50, the batter can stop the swing. Beyond 50 milliseconds, the bat is moving at 70% of its final speed and can't be checked. Adair said that a 7-millisecond variation will cause the hitter to knock the ball foul. So it takes 450 milliseconds for the batter to find the ball, decide to swing at it, and then do so. But the ball is already across the plate in 400 milliseconds. So Adair concluded that hitting a 90-mile-an-hour fastball is clearly impossible. It can't happen. It's scientifically impossible. But you and I don't buy it because we've seen it happen many times. And perhaps we saw it happen here on tape, although Denise shouldn't leave her day job. Cincinnati, Cincinnati Reds fans know that 22-year-old pitcher Rolfus Chapman astonishes crowds. He throws a 105-mile-an-hour fastball, fastest ever recorded. He's had games when his slowest pitch was 102 miles an hour, and yet he still gave up hits. How does that happen? You see, we're smart enough not to opt for the unexplainable over the undeniable. Hitting the fastball might be unexplainable, but it's not undeniable because we see it happen all the time. You see, I could say I'm not going to put this plastic thing over my ear until I know how it works. But that's not what I say. I see that it works. I don't care how it works. If I see that it works, I'm in. I'm a big picture guy. I'm not a I want to know how the watch is built kind of guy. If it works, I'm in. So today we're going to continue our series called A Personal Touch, exploring questions that prevent us from making a decision to follow God or from continuing deeper in our faith with God. I must give it up and confess that perhaps it was I who asked the question about Michigan. Um, I'm still troubled with this. Those of you that are from Michigan, apologies, but I've, I've pondered all my life. We went to a holiday party last night and there were people there from that state up north. I, I can't believe I even mentioned the name. But uh, we will pray for them, and I can't wait for that series, Ross, to see as we explore that. So you see, we approach our faith with so many questions, and oftentimes our objections or barriers to faith are centered on things that are troubling or unexplainable. And yet every day, you and I take for granted as true things that are unexplainable because they're undeniable. We see them. We experience them. It becomes personal. It works. But we don't know why. And our relationship with God is like that. It is often undeniable, even when it's unexplainable. So that's not to discount the importance of your questions. Our questions are valid, they're rational, and they're important. But I want you to know this. There's an avenue to God that takes you around your obstacles and not through them. And there is a way for thinking adults to become Christians without having all of their questions answered. As much as an affront as that might be, you and I do this all the time in lots of areas of our lives. Consider the airplane. Have you ever pondered how they figured that one out? 
how do you take all those parts and all that weight and all that stuff and make it fly through the air? How does that work? And yet, you and I get on planes and we do so frequently. Can anybody tell me how a cell phone works? How in the world does that work? That I can talk to somebody through this little thing or even send a picture? I have no clue. I just know that it works. You see, practically speaking, we don't allow the unexplainable to override the undeniable. For Christ followers, something happens that makes it so personal. The reality of Christianity becomes so real that they're willing to carry with them into that relationship, into that relationship, some things that they admit are unexplainable. I'll never forget when I first began to ponder this. I was a senior in college, literally crying one night in my room as I pondered the future. I didn't know what I was going to do. I really didn't have any place to go. And I cried out to God. I said, if you are real, I'd like you to lead me to a place where I can find people that know you so that I might know you in a place where I can have a career. Because by the way, I need one of those. And many months later, I found myself working in a financial services office in Dayton. And after many, many months of working with them, I began to scratch my head and go, wow, these people care for me and love me in a way that nobody else has ever cared for me in my life. Not my family, not anybody. And I walked into my boss's office one day and I said, Bill, I said, you know, I've been watching you guys and you guys love me in a way that I've never been loved. And I've thought for months and months and months that you had an angle, that you guys wanted something. But I'm convinced that's not it. So what is it? What is it about you people? And he asked me to close the door to the office and he pulls this Bible out of his desk and he proceeds to tell me how messed up his life was until he connected with a living God through Jesus Christ and how God had changed his life. Now, I observed his life. I wasn't sure that I believed all those things that he was saying, but one thing was undeniable. These people were different. I began to attend the church that Bill attended And I saw people love each other with an amazing, unconditional love. Well, they were far from perfect, just like me, but they loved each other. It was obvious. And so here I was, empty and hurting, and I was experiencing contagious, unconditional love for the first time in my life. Now, I had just received my college education, and I thought to myself, you know, surely these people must not know the right questions to ask. But one thing was sure. The love that I was experiencing was undeniable. I took my mind and I dove into Evidence That Demands a Verdict by Josh McDowell. I didn't chase, I didn't check my mind at the door. I really looked into things like, boy, is this resurrection something that really happened? Is this Jesus Christ who he said he was? And I would tell you that there are, there's a real basis for us to have a belief in God. But I did not have all of my questions answered. Many of them remained unexplainable. And yet over time, I learned that many of the unexplainable things don't remain that way. So today we're going to focus on a crazy, absurd story from Scripture that illustrates what happens when a person says, I'm going to ignore the undeniable and I'm going to opt for the unexplainable. I will not move. I will not admit what needs to be admitted admitted, until I fully understand. So if you have your scripture, turn to John chapter 9. This is the story of a man born blind, healed by Jesus in what I think is a humorous interrogation by the religious leaders of the day, the Pharisees, 
who focus on the unexplainable instead of the undeniable. So read along with me. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned this man or his parents that he was born blind? You see, the thought was that if you had something bad in your life, it had to be because of sin. So either this guy's parents sinned or he sinned. I don't know how he could have done that before birth, but he was blind from birth, right? So what was it that caused this? Somebody had to be to blame. You know, Jesus spent much of his time here on earth helping people understand, uninformed people understand and know the truth about what God was really like. And we see that in the Gospels. If you really want to see a picture of God and what he's really like, read the Gospels. Read the gospel message. Look at the person of Jesus Christ, who is an exact representation of this God. Jesus answers, neither this man nor his parents sinned. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Oh, whoa, I got a problem with that. I mean, Jesus, that's hard to swallow. So here's what you're telling me. You're telling me that this guy was born blind. He's been blind all this time so that what God could be glorified. I mean, you're telling me that all of this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him? I am not comfortable with that. Hmm. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. Why I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Now, that just seems a little bit arrogant to me, Jesus. I mean, come on. What you're saying to me is, you know, until I got here, there's confusion about God and I'm here to clear it up. And I'm leaving, and when I go, it's going to get dark again. That's what you're saying? That's what I'm saying. All right, so after saying this, he spit on the ground. You know, obviously, Mary didn't cover this part when she was raising him as a child, right? You don't spit on the ground, Jesus. But here he is. He spits on the ground. He makes some mud with saliva, and he put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. Now his neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging said, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claim that he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him. You see, there was no other explanation. I mean, how in the world was this guy who was blind able to see? There is no explanation. So certainly it can't be him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes open, they asked. Now, there's a valid question. And he replied, the man they call Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and then I could see. No, 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 no. no. I mean, what else you got here? This isn't helping me, right? I need an explanation. So talk to me here. I mean, I'm not buying any of this. Where's the man? They asked him. I don't know, he said. And I'm sure it's not in the scripture, but I think he said, I didn't see where he went. Just saying. Okay, so we read on. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. You see, that's what you're supposed to do. One of the things they were supposed to do is bring such things to the Pharisees, because these eagle eyes were supposed to be looking out for signs of the Messiah. Now, here's a sign, perhaps. We'll see if they paid attention to it. So they they bring uh, the the, the man to the Pharisees. Now, on the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was the Sabbath. Jesus, I mean, come on. Don't you know you're not supposed to work on the Sabbath? I mean, what's up with that? Therefore, the the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. 
He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed, and now I see. And some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he doesn't keep the Sabbath. You know, at this point, the story spirals into the absurd. But here is where it's really relevant for you, and it's relevant for me. All of us have some sort of a God box that we put God in. For some, it's here's how God works and here's how I'm going to pray. For some, it's here's how God ought to work. And since he doesn't work that way, there is no God. Since good people suffer, there can't be a God. For others, it might be God may work for you that way, but he doesn't work for me that way. And therefore, I am not going to believe we have a God box. You see, God would never do a miracle on the Sabbath, would he? Therefore, this guy can't be from God. But others asked, well, how can a sinner perform such signs? I mean, you Pharisees may not be able to explain what's undeniable, but what's undeniable is that this guy can see. So which one are we going to go with, the unexplainable? Or are we going to go with the undeniable? Yeah, yeah, it's unexplainable that God would heal somebody on the Sabbath, but uh, and, and that maybe this Jesus guy could do it. But it is undeniable that this guy was blind and now he can see. And so they were divided. Then they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It's your eyes he opened. I mean, tell us in a way that fits in our God box. I want a rational explanation here. We've got to be able to understand this. And now it becomes like a game show. Are you smarter than a Pharisee? Okay. Here's the game show. He's already explained it to him, so he tries again. And the man replied, he is a prophet. They still did not believe that he had been blind and received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Why don't they believe that he was blind? It doesn't fit into their guide box. You know, Melissa and I are privileged to be a part of an organization called Young Life that many of you may know about. An organization that reaches out to high school kids all over the world and does just amazing things. And we have seen kids get involved in Young Life, perhaps go away to Young Life camp and come back and their lives have been changed. Their attitude changes, their clothing changes, their selection of friends changes. They have a life-changing encounter with a living God that was undeniable. And yet in some of those cases, we've seen their own parents refuse to accept their kid's explanation. They refuse to investigate that this God might be real because it's unexplainable. But what's undeniable is that their own child changed. It's just baffling to us to, to watch that happen. Are you willing to acknowledge that maybe your worldview, including your view of God, might be wrong? Could it be? We continue. Is this your son, they asked? Is this the one who you say was born blind? How is it now that he can see? Well, we know he's our son, the parents answered, and we know that he was born blind. So let's start off with what we know. But how now he can, how he can see now or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. You see, his parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. More on that in a minute who had already decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. Already decided. You see, the Jews had already made a worldview decision. And if the facts didn't fit their worldview, they didn't care. 
any explanation that included Jesus or any explanation that included working on the Sabbath was not a valid explanation. So what they're saying is explain it in our worldview so we can get it right. Talk to us in a way that we can understand. Now, some of you have been raised in homes where the God explanation was not allowed, where the Jesus name was not allowed. And as an adult, you may have brought this skepticism and tried to explain things outside of the realm of God, whether it's miracles or the supernatural or a change of heart. You have worked diligently to explain things away according to this worldview that excludes God and it excludes Jesus. Could it be that there are things that are undeniable truths, but they don't fit into your worldview and your heavenly father desperately wants to pry open your box to show you how much bigger and more present and more personal he really is. Bigger and more personal and more present than you ever imagined. Now again, this doesn't discount the importance of your question. It's a fair question. How did this happen? You see, after my initial encounter with God's love that I told you about, I still had questions. But I was challenged to give God a trial offer. You know, Phil, what do you have to lose? What do you say you just believe in him and give him a hundred days and see if your life changes? I was asked. Hmm. Thirty years later, here we are. God's faithful and he changed my life. But, you know, there were still questions that were unexplainable and some of them still are. I remember shortly thereafter going to this thing called a Jesus festival in Orlando, Florida. I had never been much to church, let alone a Jesus festival. I had no clue what I was into. Twenty, twenty five thousand people worshiping God, powerful music, great speakers. And one of those speakers, uh, they, they had tents throughout the day where you could go and you could see speakers. So, I mean, these tents were huge, like a thousand people type tents. They were just amazing down there. And I, I showed up early for this one session. I sat very close to the front and um, the speaker came out and the speaker is this beautiful blonde woman who was a quadriplegic in a wheelchair. Her name is Johnny Erickson. Some of you know her, Johnny Erickson Tata, her, her married name quadriplegic and she explained how when she was 17 or 18 she dove into a pond or or a lake and she broke her neck and she was paralyzed from the neck down some of you may have read her book some of you have seen her painting she paints with a paintbrush in her in her, her mouth phenomenal exquisite paintings she has had an impact on people for decades and i'll never forget it as i sat close to the stage as this young christian i'm looking at her and she's radiating god's love and she's saying, you know, uh, boy, I'd love to be healed. And um, man, I really would like to be out of this wheelchair. But I am willing to, to stay in this wheelchair another day or another week or for the rest of my life. Because if that gives me another day to proclaim God's goodness, that some might know of his great love and his life-changing power, then I'm willing to stay here. Now that was and perhaps is unexplainable to me. I remember sitting there going, man, I don't think I could do that. I couldn't feel that way about God. Are you kidding me? It was unexplainable, but her love was undeniable. Her impact is undeniable. You see, when the person it happens to gives you the explanation, at some point you have to decide, are you going to accept it or throw it out? And so we go back to our story. That was why his parents said, he is of age, ask him. A second time they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man's a sinner. 
I mean, come on, this is your last chance. Quit giving credit to Jesus. Now, here's a pivotal verse. He looks at the Pharisees and says, hey, focus, guys. Whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I do know, I was blind and now I see. You may not like my explanation, but that's the truth. And by the way, can we have a little celebration here? I mean, I've been blind my whole life, right? Anybody want to party and say, boy, that's awesome? Or are you going to be too stuck in your little God box to be happy for me? And then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I have told you already, but you do not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Now listen to this jab. Do you want to become his disciples too? Boy, I would love to have seen that scene, huh? Then they hurled insults at him. Now picture that. This is the best day of the guy's life. And they hurl insults at him, right? He could never play with friends. He had to beg for alms. Now this guy can see. This is the best day of his life. And all the religious leaders can do is throw insults at him. And here's what they say. You are his fellow, this fellow's disciples. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses. But as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. And the man answers, now that's remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And to this they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. Well, what does that mean to be thrown out? They threw him out of the synagogue. That means that no longer could he participate in sacrifice, have an atonement for sin. He would now be unclean. He could no longer get certain jobs. They were out of the synagogue. They were Gentiles. That's what the parents were so afraid about. And they threw him out, right? You're gone. And Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And when he found him, when Jesus found him, he seeks this guy out. He said, do you believe in the son of man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. I mean, this is the guy that healed me. I'm listening, right? He's got my attention. And Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. And then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. And Jesus said, for judgment, I have come into this world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. Now, some Pharisees who were with him heard this and said, what are we blind to? And Jesus said, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. End of story. So let me ask a question. How about you? I mean, do you still have doubts? I have doubts. Right? So many questions have been answered for me along the way, and yet others remain. And when do you doubt? You know, when asked this question, Christian leader Andy Stanley responded, I doubt when I lose sight of what's undeniable and focus on what's unexplainable. I doubt when I take my eyes off of what he has clearly done and focus on what he should have done or what I would do. When I forget what God has done and begin to focus on the things that I can't get him to do. I doubt when I focus my attention on what I don't understand. I doubt when I can't get God to cooperate or stay in the God box that I built for him. 
You see, for each of us, faith is personal, like the man healed of being blind. While we can't explain the unexplainable, we won't deny the undeniable. The blind man in the story goes through this list. He says, here's what I know and here's what I don't know. But he ends with an undeniable faith. And you see, so often there is an explanation. We just don't know what it is. Like the blind man, let me list some of the things that I know. 2,000 years ago, this guy shows up in Palestine, a carpenter's son, no less. And he has this world-changing message, certain to change the future of the world. You guys ready? Love your neighbor. Boy, I don't think so. You don't know my neighbor. Pray for those who persecute you. I don't think so. Love everybody. Are you kidding? I personally am the light of the world. I mean, I don't think so. That's crazy talk, Jesus. You never went 25 miles beyond your own home. Right? You haven't seen the world. How are you the light of the world? I mean, what is this? And yet, eyewitnesses to his life and to his death gave their lives. They were martyred for their belief in him. Did they perish for a lie? Today on every continent of the world are men and women who will tell you of the personal relationship of the living God through Jesus Christ and how God has radically changed their lives. Did they all go to www.fakeachristianexperience.com to come up with a story? Is that where they went? You know, this room today, right now, is filled with people who have overcome or are currently dealing with Tragedy, financial woes, health problems, loss of loved ones, doubts, the pressure of life. And yet they proclaim Christ. Their lives have been forever changed by his undeniable impact. For others of you, even though you think this God thing doesn't work, you still have this hole in your life. You know, as Ross mentioned, I spent 30 years working in a career on Wall Street. And it's been interesting because... I've got to meet some of the most powerful and richest people on the planet. And as I've gotten to know them, I'm convinced that they, like me, have this God-sized hole in their lives. And nothing they've accomplished, nothing they've seen, nothing they've done, no amount of wealth touches that hole. It's just there. You know, it reminds me of some counseling I got a number of years back when I was working with a Christian counselor and this, this lady really had a great impact. God used her to impact my life. But every once in a while, I'd be talking about certain patterns of behavior or thinking that, you know, probably weren't the best. And she'd look at me and she'd say, well, Phil, how's that working out for you? Hmm. Now that you mentioned that, not real good, right? It's not working out for me. So let me ask you, if you've kept God at a distance and you've tried to fill that God-sized hole, I mean, it might be good things like achievement or business or family or lifestyle. Or it might be bad things like the abuse of alcohol or drug or sex. But you have this whole, how's it working out for you? I know the answer to that. And you know the answer to that. But what do we do with our questions? So if you have too many questions, fine. Seek and God will work them out. You don't have to have all of them answered to believe in something. Keep coming, keep reading, keep asking, keep seeking, and the undeniable will become apparent. We don't have to convince you. We don't want to. God can do that for himself. You see, most people get their answers, their questions answered after coming to Christ, not before. 
Understanding always follows faith. The answers to the questions can't be seen clearly outside a relationship to Christ. Don't put the cart before the horse. Understanding follows faith. All I want you to do is to see there's an avenue whereby you can know God if you simply opt to pursue the undeniable and quit living in the shadow of the unexplainable. If you were here last week and you heard Ross, he said that, you know, if you still have both feet on the, on the brakes, pray this prayer. This is a powerful prayer. God, if you can be known, I want to know you more than I want to know the answers to my questions. Now, there's a powerful prayer. I want to know the answer to my questions. I do. But if there's really a way to know the God of the universe, if Jesus really is your son, I want to know that more than I want to know the answer to my questions. And maybe that is the on-ramp for you in your faith. For others of you, you already know enough. And it's time to make a decision of faith to trust in the living God through Jesus Christ. You see, there's a whole lot of stuff that I have begun to understand on this side of belief that I never understood before. And here's the good news. You don't have to understand everything to put your faith in Jesus Christ. But once you do, you will be like the blind man and millions of others. You will have one aha moment after another as you walk with God and you will discover the matchless wisdom of your heavenly father. Why? Because faith, a relationship with God, it's personal. If you're on the border of putting your faith in Christ, you know enough already and you've seen enough of the undeniable, you will gain fresh insight when you cross the finish line. And I would encourage you, finish the deal. Invite Him into your heart. You know, in a couple of weeks, we will celebrate Christmas, which has to be one of the biggest unexplainables of all time. I mean, how the God of all creation humbled Himself to become one of us. How a virgin teenage girl gave birth. How her baby was the Son of God, the one all Scripture pointed to, the one who would pay the price to cleanse our filth so that we could have a relationship with the living God. You see, God's solution to our sin problem, our separation from Him, it's so creative and innovative that nobody could have thought of it or imagined it. It's been common in religious institutions that humans would sacrifice something to God or to the gods. But not this one. The idea that God himself would sacrifice for us is so unique. He declared us righteous by his unmerited favor through the price that Christ paid on our behalf. That is unexplainable. And yet his impact on this planet, on this man 2,000 years later, is undeniable.